0: Good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you today. And as you saw, we're starting a brand new series today called Amazing Stories. And I hope you're fired up about what you're going to learn. You know, and that's the the incredible thing here in the scriptures. There are some amazing stories in here. And uh, if you're visiting here with us, I want to welcome you. Uh, We are the Lighthouse Church of Christ. And we're all about growing faith and building family. And the two intertwine. And they're very, very connected. And, uh, you know, if you're here, I, I just want to tell you, it's, it's our honor to have you here. And I hope that you can uh, grow your faith. And I hope this can be a very positive experience for your relationship with God. And we exist so that our community can know more about God. So on to our, uh, our amazing stories. You know, before we, we get on, we really miss the, the college students today and the singles. So do you feel the, the, the loss you know, but they're happier where they are. They really, they really are. Uh, about 1,500 singles are out in Palm Springs today. Uh, and they're having a tremendous time. I've been to one of those conferences and, and, and it is uh, intense. You know, when they get to meet people, you never know what can happen at one of these conferences. Who you're gonna meet, who you're gonna run into. And uh, the, the, the college students are up in Estes Park, Colorado. Uh, I, I visited Estes Park. It is, it is amazing. Uh, if you don't believe in God, just go to Estes Park and, and you'll come away with faith. Uh, it, is, it is a truly amazing place. And they're up there. They're glad they're there too. But we miss them. Maybe you can tell them that next week. But today we're going to begin a, a, a series, and, and next week and the week after, amazing stories. And as you can see here, I want to thank Mike Mead uh, We're going to be looking at Noah's Ark. A very, very cool story. An amazing story. Uh, Every children's book includes, uh, when it's faith related, includes Noah's Ark. You know, and you you think, why why is it always included? And I, I ask you today, why is Noah always included in the children's books? Besides being a cool story. The animals, yeah, you like the animals, but why is it always there? Uh, one, of our, one of our teachers this morning, she says, hey, hey, I'm doing Noah's Ark today in my class. No wonder. You know, because it's the foundation for faith. It is the, it's the baseboard. It's, it's, it's everything. And what a tremendous story about Noah. And, and in case you're wondering... Uh, We don't look at, here in the church, we don't look at Noah's Ark as a a bedtime story. We we believe it as as history. Uh, You know, I once asked, somebody asked me, they said, do you you believe in everything that's written in the Bible? I said, absolutely I believe in everything that's in the Bible. I want to live by it because I, I believe it's changed my life and it's changed the lives of so many people. And one of the reasons why I believe in Noah and the ark and the flood, Jesus mentioned it. Jesus talked about it. Jesus lifted it up. It's not, a, it's not a story. It's history. The history of God's people. So let's begin. You know, Noah's Ark, it happened about 2,000 years after the creation. So 2,000 years later, you know, we've got people all over the world. And, and and you know, creation is is well on its way. But then there came a time where God was sorrowful in his heart we're going to read that as we begin the world that noah lived in genesis chapter 6 a lot of the scriptures are going to be on the screen this morning but before we read genesis chapter 6 join me in a word of prayer let's pray god we thank you this morning that we can come together in your name and thank you for our friends that are here with us today and i, I really do pray for them that you bless them and bless their faith god i pray that today we can understand you better and And really look at our lives uh, from the vantage point of of how you want us to live. Not from how the world expects us to live and is teaching us to live, but how you want us to live. Father, we thank you for the great example of Noah. And how he demonstrated uh, in in flesh and blood what it means to put trust in you. Uh, Please open our hearts, let your word fall on fertile ground today. And thank you for your son Jesus. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. You know, and, and the, the theme, the title today is called From Boards to Boat. And, and I've got some boards back here, but think about what Noah did. And this is the reason why God had Noah build the ark. Genesis chapter, five, chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them and that he put them on earth. And look at this last sentence. It broke his heart. Two thousand years after the creation, God's heart was broken. You see, God wasn't even on the radar anymore. People had gone about their lives. They were doing their own thing. They weren't even interested in God. It wasn't even, they weren't even, he wasn't even a part of their life. They didn't think about Him. They didn't consider Him. Was that the purpose that God created man? You see, and that's why it grieved Him. The reason God created each one of us and created man was to have a relationship That they could coexist together and live together and love each other. But men had gotten so bad, so off track. It says here that everything they thought or imagined. It wasn't a a passing thought. It was all the time. From the moment they woke up to the moment they went to bed. All the time they were thinking about evil, wickedness, corruption. There's another passage that talks about there was violence, terrible violence on the earth. And it grieved God's heart. It broke his heart. You know, sometimes we have this image of God that he doesn't feel what we go through. He doesn't understand. He's way up there in heaven and the universe, way, way, way far away. He doesn't understand. Let me tell you, God understands and God feels the pain that goes on on this planet. But what about you know, today, could you see some maybe some parallels in our world today? What are these times that we're looking? Look at what, what Paul said to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it's actually 2 Timothy. That's a, that's a misprint. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. He says this to his young apprentice, Timothy. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last, in the last very difficult times, For people will love only themselves and their money. Doesn't sound like today at all, does it? Can't relate. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and they will consider nothing sacred. Basically, there's nothing off limits. You can do anything you want. There's no consideration for the effect that it's going to have on other people. Everything's off limits. And it says here, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. And love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. Check this out. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And what was Paul's advice to Timothy? Stay away from people like that. You know, this scripture, when I read it 26 years ago, when I was studying the Bible, gave me faith in the Bible. How could a book 2,000 years old perfectly describe my life and the world around me as I was studying the Bible? I mean, it, it, it it just said, this is what people are like. This is what my life is like. And I wasn't proud of it. I said, I've got to change. I've got to break free. You know, And just so we understand today, God's heart is breaking again over the corruption and over the wickedness that is happening on earth. And he's giving us time so that we can change. And I'm grateful I got a chance. I'm grateful that I got an opportunity to to change my ways and, and, and correct and get this stuff out of my life. Realign my priorities with his priorities. But, you know, just so we understand, sin is not an alternative lifestyle. Sin breaks God's heart. We can't look at sin and things that, that, that religion or the Bible calls sin and say, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's one man's opinion. No, this is something that negatively affects God's heart. And there is a consequence. And, and today, God is looking for more Noah's on earth. Who's going to stand and be the answer? And then we see Noah and his family the answer. And you know, have you ever had a question, what can one family do? What can one man do? Well, here's your answer. You know, and sometimes we feel insignificant. What what difference could my life possibly make here on earth? What could my little family of five possibly do to make a difference in this planet? Here's the answer. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. You know... Relate today, you know, how do you look at Christians? If you're visiting here with us today, have you ever looked at Christians? And I did this for many years. I had, I had two sisters that were, you know, devoted to God, devoted to the Bible. You know when I look at them from the outside looking at them? They're weird. I said, these people are crazy. Look at all the time that they're spending at church. Why can't they go out and have a good time? What, what are they doing in church? And then I heard about some of the checks that they would write. The money that they would give to the church. I mean, my sisters would spend from eight in the morning till four in the afternoon at church, one way or another. Then they would go back at seven p.m. and do some more till about nine thirty on Sunday night. I'm like, wow. What about football? You know what about relaxation? And then they had then they had church on on. Wednesday, then they had, then they had what they called a soul talk, soul talk, what's that? You know, talk to your soul. And then on Friday night, they they would have this thing called devotional, the, the campus devotional. And I just think, man, they're really weird. They're crazy how, how much they're involved in this. What, why do all that? It's over the top. It's too much. You know, and they, they just seemed like they were so, you know, cookie cutter and, 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 and creamy and nice. And, you know, just I just, no, that's just, I don't like that. It's weird. Why can't they be like everybody else? Like me. And fit in in the world. You know, angry all the time. Disrespectful to my parents. Swear and use vulgarity. Why do they got to be so good? See, that's what Noah was dealing with. He was the only one that walked the earth that was separate. He didn't live like everybody else. He didn't try to fit in. It wasn't his goal to fit in with everybody else. And then it dawned on me, why do my sisters do what they do? And all their friends. And I remember one summer, I got to go to church with them. See, my parents were on a trip and and we were in a very traditional church and my family, you know, and hush, hush in church. You don't talk. And it was, you know, you know, robotic. And but I went to their church one summer. I went like for about a month, went to all that stuff Sunday, Wednesday, soul talk, Friday night. I went to all that. I got a taste of it. I said, this is amazing. These people really love each other. And there was an energy about them. There was a glow. And the love that they had each other. When they, when they walked through the doors, they would hug each other. Then when they greet each other. And I saw a relationship. When they sang in the church, and I want to I encourage us, when, when you come and you sing to God, they, they, they sang really loud. And they, they put their arms around each other. They bridged the aisles. And I walked out of those services deeply impacted. After that month, Just a month with them, I wanted to give my life to God. At 12 years old. But my parents shut me down. Two years later, they tried to reconvince me to get back in the boat. I I said, too late. I'm already wrapped up with my friends. But that time with them, that summer, that month, planted a seed in my heart. Of what it's like to live this. And I remember, I remember some nights we would go out and we would sing to God. And I remember their prayers. They didn't, they didn't pray the prayers like I'd grown up praying. They prayed, they prayed to God. They talked to God. They would literally, they would converse with Him and they would pour out their heart to Him. And, and they would express their, their feelings, their thoughts, and sometimes they would cry. And that left a seat, I said, They're really treating God as their friend. They're connected with God. And now I understand why they do the weird things that they do. Because God wants them to. And then I went and found out that that's what the Bible says. This is how you should live. And that's why they were doing it. They didn't have to. They wanted to. It was voluntary. And boy, did they want to. And they were shameless about it. On the college campus, they would talk to people about their faith. You know, and I remember hanging out with my sister sometimes and they would just share their faith, and I'd get embarrassed, you know, like, man, you're right out here in the open. Talk to somebody about God. What if they get offended? They didn't care. So what? And this is what you see what, with, with Noah is that he walked with God. They had a relationship. And it can be very tough to follow God. Let me flip it. When you're a Christian, a real Christian, and you really follow the Bible, how is it to walk the walk in this world? See, I got to, I got to flip it at 21 years old in college. I gave my life to God. And I was on campus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I got to be what they were and be the weirdo. The village idiot, as they called me. You know, on my dorm, there were 50 college students on my floor. And all guys. And I was the weirdest. Me and my roommate. And he was truly weird. Okay. He was a geek. He was weird. But he was a disciple. But I thought, you know, I'm, I'm cool, but I'm a disciple. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm relatable, right? I'm just like everybody else, right? But when you walk the walk, and you put this into practice, how does the world treat you? You're the laughing stock. You're the joke. That's what Noah was. But it didn't bother him. It didn't bother him at all. And it was very tough. But what was Noah's thought process? This is what Noah's thought process was. What would God, what would you do, what would you want me to do in this situation, God? You know, as disciples, we, we have the same phrase. What would Jesus do in this situation? Right? We think that. That's what it means to have a relationship with God. It's not what would your religion have you do. Not what me, your minister, would have you do. What would God have you do? What would would Jesus want you to do? And if there's a relationship, you think about that. You know, I think about that in my marriage. You know, I can be halfway across the planet, and I'm thinking, what would Laura have me do in this situation? Would she want me to behave this way? Would she want me having this conversation? How would she want me to conduct myself? That's a relationship. See, she's not around. I'm still thinking about her. The family, it's the same thing. What would my kids, what would they have me do as a parent? Would would they would they approve of this kind of behavior? Would they feel good about me doing this? They're not around. Shh. No one sees me. Right? But a relationship says, doesn't matter if they're here. I care about what they think. So I'm going I'm to adjust the way I behave according to what they would want. Noah walked with God and he thought about Him throughout his day throughout his life. What's your thought process today? And if you're visiting here with us today, I want to ask you, who do you think about most in your day? If you're like me, before I got to know God, You know who I thought about most? You better believe it. It was all about me. The sentence started with me. The sentence ended with me. And then through the middle of it was me. It was all about me. And my relationships were strained because of me. I fought with my parents. There were times where I fought with my friends because they weren't considering me. They didn't understand me. And it created a rub. I couldn't get along in relationships with my girlfriends because of me. You see, there's a consequence to me syndrome. I've just classified a new, a new disease, the me syndrome. But the interesting thing is that Noah, how did he do it? And, and the Bible says the construction of the ark. God, God called him. Look what it says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God called Noah and he said, hey, Noah, listen. I want to start over. Everything is messed up. You're the only guy that's living the life. And we're going to, you know, we're going to reboot society. And that can seem harsh to you. But you've got to understand, the future of the planet was in jeopardy. Without Noah, without the do-over, done. Game over. So God intervened and said, I'm going to start over. This is not going to end well. There's no rescue, there's no turnabout. We're going to hit the reset button. And Noah, I'm picking you. I want you to build a boat. And it wasn't just a boat, it was a ship. It was a huge ship. I had I had Steve run the numbers for me because he loves to do this kind of stuff. The Ark. It was a ship. From back to front, it was three times the length of this building. You go, one, two, three. It was just a little smaller than the Titanic. One of the largest ships ever built. One guy. It was 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall. It was two times taller than the highest point here. Straight up. Four floors. Straight up. The volume, okay, of the ark was 1,518,750 square feet. How about that for an apartment? What's the square footage on your house? Noah said 1,518,750. How much is that per square foot? The volume, the sheer volume of the eight times what we have here. Eight times. One guy building it. Interesting is, he told Noah the plan. He said, it's, it's, I'm going to send rain. they would never seen rain. See, because water came up from underground. Never seen rain before. So God was telling him all these things, all these plans. It took Noah a hundred years to build the ark. Think about that. A hundred years to build this ship. And for sure, through those hundred years, about 20, maybe 10 years into it, everybody's walking by and they start to see. Really? What are you doing, you idiot? I'm building a ship. You're building a what? I'm building an ark. Because it's going to rain. It's going to flood. Could you imagine the jokes that everyone would share? He probably, if they had it, he'd be on late night TV most times. (laughs) Hey, did you hear about what Noah did? Did you hear what he's doing now? And the jokes would go and go and go. And probably had a crowd there standing in front of the construction and yelling things at him, and, you know, for entertainment's sake. Put yourself in Noah's shoes. How did he do it? A hundred years. How did he make it? It says it right here faith. And what is faith? Let's break it down. You can't have salvation without faith, you can't please God without faith. That's why faith in our church, the Lighthouse Church of Christ, it's one of our primary focuses. And I ask you today, even if you're visiting here, how's your faith, really? How's your walk going? How's your trust in God, even in the tough times? And I'm sure that Noah's faith was tested, but see, this was his conviction. He believed, and guess, this is what the Bible defines as faith, Guess who follows the definition of faith in verse 7? Noah. He's the model of faith in the Bible. And look what it says, verse 7. By faith. How did he survive those hundred years? How did he do the construction? How did he make it? How did he go through all that? The ridicule. says it right here. By faith. You see, Noah wasn't focused on what he saw and what people were saying. He was focused on God, and he was focused on his future. What are you focused on right now in your life? You see, and he he deeply trusted this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he, what? Rewards. See, Noah trusted in the reward. He said, this is going to go well. I trust God. I trust His goodness. And I trust His power and His competence to do this right. And look what it says. By faith Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark. Built a ship to save who? Now we're talking about super dad right here. Noah was an amazing father. And I want to encourage all the dads here today. Are you ready to step up and save your family? I mean, what an amazing testimony. And as I said in the beginning, do you believe that God could use one family? Because I know we can get in this this idea, this mindset. I'm just one family. What can one family do? I'm just one guy. One guy. One family can save the world. And as I said, God is looking for more Noah's out there. Are you a volunteer? Are you ready to step up, and step up and be like Noah by faith? I'm going to live by faith. And we're going to break it down because this word gets thrown around a lot. Faith. What's faith? And we're going to look at it specifically. But he saved his family. And it says here, by faith he condemned the world and became heir of of the righteousness that comes by faith. See, Noah put the world in perspective. See, because the world was out of perspective. If you're living in the world, you think everything's okay. Killing people, oh yeah, it happens all the time. If you live in Mexico now, you get used to the fact that about 12,000 people are murdered every year. If you live in Juarez... You get used to walking down the street, oh yeah, there's another dead body. Somebody must have gotten into trouble. Can you imagine that? The nightmare? And they just got used to it? They get used to it? This is just how life is here. That's our world today. Corruption? Violence? Deceit? Immorality? Perversion? Oh yeah, we got it. LA, we got it. We're covered you get used to it. Noah said no, I won't get used to it. Because it's not God's way. He put the world in perspective. And so this is the theme of our the theme of our our, our lesson today, and I want to begin, you know, because it's it's all about building. Here's a board. This was the first board in Noah's building. God asked him, Noah, I want you to build an ark. So, he started with this board right here. And what is this board? Obedience. He took this board and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin. And, and this, is, this is the board. If you want to build the boat, that's the way to the boat. You need boards to build the boat. How many boards do you think it took for, for Noah to build the ark? And this is the, probably one of the most challenging things for us as people, to build a ship 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Here it is. I don't understand it. I don't don't get it. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey God. And all of us understand that because once you start living for God... You know, this is, this is what it is. Board by board, he built the boat. But let's break it down because there's, there's some parallels. And look at this verse here in the bottom of, of the screen. It says, Genesis 6.22, So Noah did everything God commanded him to do. Everything. Every, every board, every plan, everything. He did it. This was his conviction. I will obey God. I don't have to, I want to, because this is a relationship. You know, and, and for a lot of us, when we start our Christian life, you know, over here in the beginning, there, there, there's, there's something that comes between us and building the boat. And whether you know it or not, we're all building our own boats. What are your boards that you're using to build your boat? What is the boat for us? Salvation. You know, and as as you move along, this is maybe, you know, a few months old as a Christian. You're getting started. This is easy, right? This is real easy to do. Obey when you're a young baby Christian, when you're you're on fire for God. I can do this. I'm going to obey God. What happens a couple of years down the road? What happens about 5, 10, 15 years down the road? When it's hard you start to ask some questions is this is this really worth it i've been obedient to god all this time is there really a payoff here and you know what you do over time you know you go through a tough time you you drop the board you drop obedience not worth it. You see, I've been obeying. I've been obeying for years now. I've been doing it right. And i got these people. They're they're walking by. I'm single. And they're they're walking by. They're getting married. Things are going well for them. They're, They're having success. And here I am. I'm in this tough situation. And I've been faithful, God. I've been walking the walk. You know, and as a young person, you can think, well... I've been trying to be obedient, but you know, all my friends, they're pulling me. And you let go. You drop obedience. And you get tired of waiting. A hundred years. Do you realize that? How did he do it? How did he get through a hundred years of obeying God board by board by board by board? And this was a huge one. How's this board in your life? As you build your ark. Dads, how's this board? Are you obeying God? You know, because your family's counting on you. They're counting on you to do it right. And looking back, how, how did he do it? He did it by faith. And, and putting this in context, Hebrews chapter 11, when we read that verse, do you realize what was going on to Christians at the time this was written? And why the author wrote this letter of Hebrews to the Christians? To do this would cost you your life. You see, they were killing Christians in the second century, and the end of the first century. They were killing Christians because of this. Obey God, I'll kill you. I'll kill your children. And there was a terrible emperor in Rome called Nero. Ruthless. He would burn Christians. He would dress up Christians in animal skins, throw them out onto the Colosseum and watch them for entertainment. Watch them get eaten by animals. Let me tell you, at this time when this was written, it was a horrific thing. Be a Christian. It was a curse. So the disciples, the Christians at this time are going, Really? Do you realize? Do you realize what I'm having to go through to be obedient to God? I just saw my children die. And God wants me to be obedient. He wants me to hold on. And we think we got it tough today. Right? That's yeah, really hard to be a Christian. And the whole theme, the main message, The main message of Hebrews is persevere. Hang on. It's going to be worth it. Do this. You're going to make it. And God's going to bless your life. You're going to be like Noah. And you're going to be on the boat. And you're going to be rescued. And you're going to be with Him forever. Versus the rest of the world will be destroyed. That's what the Bible teaches And that's what all of us have to understand today. Let's break down this word here, obedience. What's that mean, obedience? Absolute confidence in the character and competency of God. And as a result, we do what He tells us to do. That's obedience. Absolute confidence in His character and competency. Now I want to go skydiving, right? I have a dad who's 84 years old. Tremendous character. He is a man of character. I respect him. But he's 84 years old. Do you think I would go to him for lessons on skydiving? He's got character. Or let's flip it and say, I want to go skydiving. I'm going to find the black belt of skydiving. only problem is, I saw him on America's Most Wanted last week. Would I go with him and get skydiving lessons even though he's a black belt? No, his character is a mess. See, with God, we got both. God has the character and he has the competency to come through for us. And as a result of God's character and competency, I have absolute confidence in him. I trust Him. And as a result of trusting Him, I am going to do what He tells me to do. That's what Noah did. He trusted God for those 100 years. Now here's the rest of the story. That 100 years that he spent on the boat, how long do you think he was on the boat with all those animals? A year. Could you imagine being on a boat with all those, on a zoo, a a, a floating zoo for a year? What was the smell like? I mean, you couldn't sleep. There was always these noise all the time. The squawking, the, the, the growling, the, the this, the that. I mean, you couldn't sleep. Noah said, I've got to trust God. There's a lot on the line right here. And he trusted. He trusted God. But what are some of the reasons we don't do this right here? What are the reasons that we don't obey? We're afraid. Probably primary fear that I had is why I wouldn't obey God it was because I was afraid of what people are going to think of me. I want to talk to the young people here because I, 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 I get that. I lived that for a while. I was afraid of what my friends would say if I did this God's way. See, because you know what's one of primary thing that we need as human beings? Acceptance. But you've got to make a choice. You're either going to be accepted by God or you're going to look for acceptance by people. Let me tell you something about acceptance by people it's fleeting. They'll accept you today, tomorrow. Who are you? What are you about? I don't even know you. You want to hang your trust on that? You want to hang your security, your emotional stability on that? And that's why I turned to God, because I said, I want a relationship with somebody who's not going to let me down ever. And, and that's what it is fear is one lack of understanding. Well, I just don't understand it. Let me ask you, do you think do you think Noah understood the dimensions and the engineering behind the boat concept of the ship? He never seen anything like it. He just obeyed God. He didn't need to understand it. He just said, God said it, I'm going to do it. That's plenty of reason right there. That's enough. I'm going to do it. But some of us have to have everything figured out. I've got to know. I've got to be certain. Explain it to me. Show me. And we won't trust unless we understand it. See, that's not faith. Faith means you're going to, you're going to give yourself not understanding everything. Jesus didn't understand everything. How it was going to feel on the cross, he knew it was going to be horrific, but until he got there and he was willing to go through it, and all the men this the theme of, of, of faith is throughout the Bible, so many, so many heroes. and then the last one is the weight. How long have you' been a Christian? How long you've been walking the walk living in the faith? the weight, the team here, young baby Christian, and there. That's what it is. The test of time. You know, and I wanted to share this with you because probably one of the darkest times of my life as a minister. When I was living in Florida, you know, serving as a minister, and the confidence level was way down in minister's. You know, I'm up there preaching the gospel and, and people, I just felt like people didn't trust what I was saying. They didn't trust me. It was a dark time. Every turn, it was just like, you're not doing a good job. And I came that close to turning it in and saying, you know what? Maybe I should go and do something else for a living. I had friends too that tell me, man, you can make some money. You're good. You could sell. I came that close to giving up. I was discouraged. I remember many nights we would go to bed sobbing. What's going on, God? We want to give our lives for you. And this is how it is. You know, where there's just this kind of this kind of negativity, this environment. What's going on? A lot of my friends that I was close to had left the ministry. They they turned it in, they quit. Other people had left the faith altogether all alone and then I got a lifeline you know right there always there's always a lifeline I got a phone call from a brother Josue Ortega he said why don't you come to the, why don't you come to the Central American Conference in Guatemala November of 2004 I said sure why not love you guys love to see you love to spend time with you I was hurting. I was hurting bad in my faith, so I went to the conference, and you know, it was they, they were on fire for God. These were guys that I trained. These are guys that I taught about faith, and I, I trained them as ministers. And I'm down there, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, what has happened to me? See, and that's the the timeline. See, they're they're still over here. I'm I'm out here on the timeline. It was hard. What's your timeline? Where are you at in your faith? Because there's going to be tough times. And I remember sitting down for lunch. I'll never forget it. My dear friends, Javier and Kelly Amaya, were sitting across the table having lunch. And he says to me, he says, so how you doing? And my head sank. I said, you know, I'm not doing good. We're not doing good. I mean, our marriage is good, but we're just, we're, we're discouraged. And we're thinking about quitting. You know, we got an offer. He said, well, before you do that, let me go back. Let me go back to the, at that time, the East region. Let me talk to some people. We need a minister out here. I said, okay, I'll, I'll pray and let, let's just let's see what God does. Got a phone call a few weeks later. Came back from Guatemala. Really helped my faith, you know. A couple more weeks, hanging on. Got that phone call. I said, why don't you come on out? We want to interview you. We want to spend some time with you. And I remember the interview. You, you were there. It was at Alvin's house. Remember that, Alvin? Man, we had some kind of barbecue. It was really, maybe I don't even remember what we had, but it was good. It was good food. Joe was there. You know what I felt? Love. And I felt most of it from Javier and Kelly. I said, you guys need help. You need to come to a place where you can get help you know what the problem is sometimes in our journey of faith and and where we are in our life. And if you're visiting here with us today, you may be going through a rough time. You know what we don't do? We don't ask for help. And they said, you look like you need some help. And I said, yep. I think this could work, they told me. We want to make you an offer. So you go back to Florida. We're going to talk and we're going to meet. And I got a phone call and I got an offer. Come out here and be a minister for the Latin ministry. Work with the singles. But I mentioned that from a reference point because sometimes this is really hard on the timeline of faith. And I'm so, so, so glad for the help that I received. And I feel like I'm in a totally different place. Would you would you agree I'm in a different place now? Yeah, it's good to get through it. But I, I don't know. I don't know where you are today, but I want to encourage you to deal with your faith, deal with your board. You know, for a lot of people, it may not be this, it may not be this, it may be this. Respect. That's another board. I mean, we could go all day with boards. <laughs> for the young people in the house, respect. Who? Your parents, people in authority, your teachers, coaches. This is a big word today. Not really popular among young people. Not popular among older people either. I was very disrespectful as a young man. It was loathsome, sickening how disrespectful I was to my parents. I'm ashamed of it. I still apologize to these days. Even though they've forgiven me a long time ago, I still say, you know, I'm really sorry. Gave my mom an ulcer. Because I was so disrespectful. You see, but this is an important board to get to the boat as you build your boat. You know, maybe this is another one for you. Purity. How are you doing in your purity? Are you being pure? See, because this is important to God. You know, the world looks at purity, you know, sex is like a handshake. Sleeping with somebody is the same as giving them a hug. No big deal. Not for God. Pornography. Ah, oh yeah, it's just an image. No, it, it, it corrupts your brain. Scientific studies. It, it, it really messes you up. It turns into an addiction. It can mess up a marriage. Trust me. 24 years of ministering to people, it messes you up. It messes up your relationships. Forever. How is this board for you? You know, and for a lot of people, holding out, for young people, waiting... Waiting until you get married, being pure until you get married. I tell you, this is a very important board, and you're building your ship. It's worth the wait. It is totally worth the wait. Or maybe this is another one. We talked about this for the last couple of weeks. Forgiveness. It's an important board on your way. Jesus said, "If you're not willing to forgive, you will not be forgiven." It's that simple. So all these boards make up your boat. Board by board, Noah built his ark. How's your ark coming along today? How's your construction coming along today? You know, and there, there are people counting on you just as they counted on Noah. The greatest test of your faith will come through time. It is the absolute hardest thing to do. And, and, you know, as we talked about them, these, these are all the boards. You know, there are so many boards. How many boards do you think it took to, for Noah to build that ship? You know, these are just a few, but you know what yours are. You know, what, what are the, some of the boards I'm working on right now in my life? I'm still working on my marriage board. I'm working on my parenting board. Because I want to grow in being a better parent. I'm working on my minister Board. I want to grow in being a better minister, helping our church grow in its faith, teaching, counseling, whatever it is. I want us to go to another level. You know, and and don't look at life with your eyes covered like I'm just getting through the day. What's your plan? We're going to talk about that in the fall. What's your plan? You're building something for someone. How's that construction going? You've got to look where you're headed and what your your life is going to leave behind. If it's your marriage, you're leaving a legacy for your family, for your children. If you lower it, what are they going to have as a standard? So many kids are disillusioned with marriage because all they've seen is divorce and fighting and ugliness. They don't want anything to do with marriage. What? Marriage? It's a nightmare. That's the only boat that they've seen. You, Dad, can make all the difference if you will devote yourself to building a great boat, board by board. No matter where you are today, I want to encourage you, get back in the building phase of your faith. Remember Noah. What a tremendous example. What a hero. It's an amazing story. What Noah went through. All the ridicule. All the hard times. He didn't have a youth minister. He didn't have a campus minister. He didn't have anybody cheering. No cheerleaders. Nobody. He was on his own. He said, God, I love you. I just want to do what's right. And I'm going to hang on to you because I trust you're going to deliver on that boat. Let's close out in communion with this passage. You're going to need your Bible here. You knew you would. First Peter chapter one. You know, similar, similar situation that was going on. Peter was encouraging the churches of Asia Minor, these these young Christians, these Jewish Christians, you know, there was a bunch of them, and he was encouraging them to stay faithful, hang on, persevere. And look what he says here. Chapter 1, verse 13 through 16. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. In other words, get your boards ready. Get the hammer and the nails. Let's go. Let's build something. Get ready for action. Be self-controlled. In other words, purity. Get yourself together. Set your hope fully on the grace... To be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Remember the promise. He's going to forgive you of everything you've ever done. You're going to be as sinless as a baby. And verse 14: as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. Don't be like everybody else, don't follow this world. That's going to be our biggest challenge. That's going to be your biggest challenge. Fit in or follow God. One or the other. You can't have it both ways. And you hang around with people enough in your life that are not of faith, they're going to have an influence on you. So you've got to be careful is what he's saying. But in verse 15, But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Who makes you holy? Jesus. We're going to celebrate the communion now. It's a celebration. Because without Jesus' blood and the sacrifice, there's no holiness. There's no forgiveness. He died and bled so that we could start over. You know, God doesn't have to for us. He doesn't have to flood the earth and start over with a couple of people. He can start over with you today. You can be forgiven and you can be a do-over. If you're visiting here with us today, you can have a do-over in your life. God's willing, ready, and able to forgive you of your sins. But you must accept. And you must take that journey to the boat. And be willing to obey and put your stock and your faith in God not in yourself not in this world what an incredible opportunity we have today to celebrate the communion I don't know what your week was like but you can start over now and I love communion I need communion every single week without fail but you know this word holy you know what it means Literally. Anybody know? Set apart. Set apart for what? Something special. God told Noah, Noah, I want to set apart you and your family for something special. Do you believe that today? Why does God want you to be holy? Because He wants to set you apart. He wants to do something special with your life. He wants to do something special with our church, but sometimes we get lost with it. We get focused on all these other things. And you know, we're, we're, you know, church and our devotion to church, devotion to God is an afterthought. We don't have time because we're so busy doing other things. And so we go back to low living. You're not set apart. You're just going through the motions. There's nothing special going to happen in your life. You may make some money. You may acquire some possessions. But I mean special. God did something special with Noah. He wants to do something special with you. So let's pray for the communion. And I hope this really helps you today with your faith. And I want to leave you with one thing and then I'm done. What are your boards? I want to give you that that charge this week. Identify your boards and talk about it with your friends. What are you working on? Get open about it. Talk about it. What are your boards? And let's deal with them so you can get on to building your boat and saving many people along with you. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we are grateful this morning to be able to celebrate the death and resurrection of your Son. We pray that... You'll cleanse us of all of our sins, our pride, our self-reliance, our distance from you, God. Forgive us, God, for the ways that we have left you and left the purpose that you created us for, a daily walk. God, forgive us for our disobedience, for the times that we did what we wanted, because it felt good instead of doing what you wanted in hope of the reward. God, I pray that you'll cleanse us and I pray for our friends here with us today, God, that you'll help them to begin this week to build a relationship with you in prayer and in Bible study and to turn themselves in. God, thank you that Jesus died so we could start over and be forgiven of everything. We love you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Noah, a hero in our faith. Thank you for Jesus that he came here to give us this blessing, this opportunity. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.